Welcome to podcast number 174 of My Favorite Detective Stories. Today's date is August the 16th, 2022, and I'm your host, John A. Hoda. Our guest this week is Kathy Stoller. Kathy is an Amazon bestselling author. Her urban thriller, Last Call, was the second book in the Murder on the Rocks mystery series featuring the corner lounge bar owner, Jude Delane, was published in... Uh, 2020 by Level Best Books. The third book in the series, Straight Up, was released in November of 2021. Her series with blackjack player Nick Donahue includes the novel Out of Time and the novella Nick of Time. She's also the author of a three-volume Laurel and Helen New York mystery series, which includes Telling Lies, Keeping Secrets, and The Hard Way. She was a three-time finalist and winner of the 2015 Derringer for Best Short Story, the Kaluki Kings of Queens. Very involved in the crime writing world, Kathy is a member of Sisters in Crime, New York, Tri-State, Mystery Writers of America, and the International Thrillers Writers. This is a great uh, interview. I'm sure you're going to love it. Welcome to my favorite detective stories. I'm your host, John A. Hoda. Come sit by my campfire as we listen to crime fiction writers talking about their flawed fictional detectives. I will alternate weekly between award-winning and best-selling authors with debut authors who have overcome all the obstacles to get their first novel out into the world. This episode is brought to you by my own FBI agent, Marsha O'Shea, six-book series, and my upcoming Gwendolyn Strong, small-town cozy mystery series. To learn more, go to www.johnhoda.com, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-D-A.com, and join my email list. Liberty City Nights, my Marsha O'Shea prequel novella, is available to my subscribers there for free. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, delighted to be here. I am delighted to have you on the podcast as well. And how is life down there in Manhattan today? Well, it's warm today. It's it's in the 50s, which is kind of surprising mm-hmm. since it's been so cold the last few days. Well, I guess it isn't surprising, mm-hmm. but um, it's kind of gray, a little bit gray. It was sunnier before and now it's getting cloudy. I think it's going to rain. How about where you are? Yeah, southwestern Connecticut as we record this on March the 31st, uh, 2022. And I should put the year in there because this is a a five-year running podcast now. So maybe the year would be helpful. And uh, it's uh, overcast too. I mean, we're just – I'm just up metro north from you, a little bit up further up Long Island Sound. And – but uh, it's a warm breeze instead of that cold, biting one. So I'm, I'm kind of, it's an optimistic breeze for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy about it. Anyway, so uh, I really wanted to have you on a show for a lot of reasons, because I know that you're involved in a lot of the associations, but also you've written a couple series that are just drop dead, gorgeous stuff. And, uh, but before that, you know, you got to tell me how, you know, you got started in your writing career and how your, uh, your, your, your life's journey influenced that before you even started putting pen to paper. Okay. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I um, think I probably wanted to write unknowingly in the back of my head since I began to read, which was at a very early age. I read everything I could get my hands on. Of course, I read all the, the kids stuff, Nancy Drew, the Hardy Boys, all those kinds of books. And, um, 
I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology uh, for college, and I studied fashion. And I started taking the writing courses that related to to fashion. And I started writing fashion copy when I graduated. And I just loved writing copy. And then I hadn't really thought about writing stories or books until much, much later. And at some point, I just decided, you know, I read all these novels, mostly mystery and spy, spy novels, which I also love very much. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought I'd give it a try. So I started with a novel instead of a short story. Okay. And I wrote three novels in my Helen and um, Laurel New York mystery series. Then I wrote, I wrote a couple of short stories, and um, three of them have been Derringer nominations and one won the award. Uh, the Kaluki Kings of Queens, <laughs> that one one year was a fun title and a fun story. And from there, I just kept on, you know, going. I wrote... Um, and that first series that you said, Helen and... The uh, Laurel and Helen New York Mysteries. Yeah. Instead of Laurel and Hardy, it's Laurel and, <laughs> and Helen. Helen. <laughs> I, I like the way you do a lot of those alliterations, and, you, and you're gonna, we're going to hear that in some of your titles. So, um, Lauren and Helen, then you wrote um, a couple other series, true, right? Yes. I wrote uh, the Nick Donahue series, uh, Nick of Time, which is a novella, and Out of Time, which is a full-length novel. They are going to be republished. Oh, nice. Um, yes, I'm really excited about that. And now I'm writing the Murder on the Rocks mysteries. Okay. So the first one was Bar None. The second one is Last Call. And the third one, which came out last November, is Straight Up. Mm-hmm. And that's it, Jude, Jude Delane. Yeah. Right, yeah. Wow, that's some neat stuff. And and you have a uh, a uh, – her nemesis, uh, I guess, the villain, the protagonist, uh, the antagonist, a, uh, yes. a, uh, a, a a gentleman, for lack of a better a word. A serial killer. Yes. <laughs> that he, he, do I understand this right? He only murders one day of a year? Um, well, or did I get that wrong? No, he's, he's murdered before, but so far, well, the first book did not feature him. The first book was about... Um, a money theft at a at like a food bank, and she was helping her friend and her landlord, Thomas Sully Sullivan, solve that. Mm. <clears throat> the second and third books are about um, the serial killer. She discovers who he is, and he gets away, and he's now chasing her like crazy. In the third book, um, he's really making her life miserable. But he's he murders on New Year's Eve. Mm, and but thought, he had yeah. been he had been murdering before when he lived out of the state. Now he okay. would say these stories take place on the Lower East Side, on Tenth okay. Street and Avenue B, where Jude has her business, the Corner Lounge. Mm. And um, Art Bevins is the serial killer's name, and he's just not going to stop until he gets her or. or Something else happens. Okay. So uh, you have some, a couple interesting, uh, several interesting characters there. But uh, let me just circle back so I don't lose it. Uh, you said that uh, the Nick Donahue series is being republished. Is that Does that mean your new publisher is picking them up? Or? Yes. It's sort of, okay. um, we, we don't have a contract yet, but we talked about it. And uh, okay. she's, she's going to do it. So um I probably shouldn't be talking about that. That's oh, okay. No, it's okay. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm not going to press you anymore for it. But I just wanted to, that was like a loose end in our conversation. Okay. So uh, you talked about reading a lot of mysteries and uh, suspense. 
What was your uh, daily fare? What was on your nightstand or your your uh, coffee table? Well, I mean, I read all the Agatha Christie books mm-hmm. and Sue Grafton. Okay. And I like Lindsay Davis. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's No, not really. Oh, she's an no. English um, author. And she writes about uh, ancient Rome. And she's got this great character, Marcus Didius Falco. And now his daughter who takes over his detecting. Ah. And... Um, and I also read all the, you know, the spy novels. I still love them. Like, you know, John mm-hmm. le Carre and Ian Fleming and Helen McGinnis. And okay. now I like to read Daniel Silver. I look forward to his new books. Okay. So I'm reading those kinds of books. And I'm reading, you know, contemporary authors that, um, like uh, Alison Galen and Wendy Corsi Staub and some of the people in my, in my, um, from my publishing company. Mm-hmm. Lori Robbins and um, Lori. I know the name Lori yes, Robbins. She actually was the one who told me about you. I was at that convention as well, but we didn't meet for some reason. Oh, I can tell you the reason why. I was a uh, part-time attendee. Um, I uh, I made a mistake. I double booked the weekend. Oh. And uh, I promised uh, that I would act in a play. And I thought that the dress rehearsals and the uh, final shows would be the following week and not that same weekend. So I couldn't be in Dedham at the same time I was in New Haven. (laughs) So uh, I did what Solomon uh, suggested, and that was I cut the baby in half. I went up on Friday. I came home at the crack of dawn on Saturday. I went back up late Saturday night and I, I saw, you know, what, you know, the closing ceremonies and the Sunday activity. So I uh-huh. missed Saturday, you missed Saturday, which is, you know, when you go to a, a weekend conference, you're missing the guts of the conference. Yeah. So definitely. No. So I missed you. I'm sorry. That's yeah, but, okay. We're meeting but, now. <laughs> yes, we are. And then hopefully, uh, be, and I'm giving a little bit of the cat away. You're also a member of International Thriller Writers. Yes, I am. And are, were you planning to attend this year on uh, Times Square? No, I don't think so. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. I will be okay. attending Malice at the end of this month. Uh, okay. And um, Bouchercon in the fall. Oh, Minnesota. Minnesota, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm I'm hoping that to see you then in Minnesota. Okay. Because I will be there as well. So uh, then we'll get to say hello. But uh, no, so Crime Bake uh, was important in that I, I believe I reached out to several authors there, one of them being Lori. And at the c- conclusion of our interview with Lori, I said, Lori, tell me, you've just had a wonderful experience on my podcast. And she giggled. And I said, who do you think would like to come on? And your name came right to the top of the list. So uh, we connected and uh, now you're here. We're we're so, very good friends besides good. that I love her writing. And um, yeah. so she's working on some new stuff too, as you probably know. So it's, yep, um, yep. it's all good. That's all good. Yes, it is. Now, uh, let me ask you, uh, when you decided to uh, plan – your first novel, did you have a series in mind for it or was it uh, something that you just thought it might've been a standalone and that, but then it got legs while you were running? Yeah. I I didn't really have a series in mind, but um, I had an agent then and um, you know, we, she sold it and we decided to do two more books. So I just had, you know, sometimes I get ideas from, like uh, Law and Order, in a sense, the current events, things that are going on. And um, my first book in that series was sort of about 
well, it was a sad thing, but it was about 9-11 and someone disappearing on purpose. Oh. Who everyone thought was dead. Okay. And stolen Nazi art, and it just kind of blossomed from there. You know, there was, uh, in the towers, uh, I'm not going to belittle this or make it into a um, a sideshow because it was terrible. It was horrible. But in the towers, there were um, safe deposit boxes and there were things that were, uh, you know, kept, you know, in terms of uh, artifacts and collectibles and what have you. And then um, claims had to be made against, um, you know, the, uh, the keepers of it uh, for their recovery and uh, it was very interesting what was being claimed. And, but more importantly, what wasn't, <laughs> you yeah, know, what was hidden there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of interesting. And I that's was, a uh, whole story in itself, probably. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and uh, I don't know if you remember the, the movie with uh, Denzel. Uh, we don't have to use his last name. Denzel, uh, Clive Owens, uh, Jodie Foster. Yes, uh, down, I do. And that was set down in your neck of the woods, wasn't it? Down in Lower oh, that's Manhattan. Down on, by, by, that was set down on, by Wall Street. Yes. Inside okay. Man, I think, is the name of that movie. Okay, yeah. And there were things that were in those safe deposit box that, no, they didn't want some, right. some people to know about. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm sure that's everywhere, that there are big banks holding things for people who Mm-hmm. Have stuff that they would never want made, you know, known that they own or have, or and they but, have to keep, um, but they have to keep them safe and yes, out of, and out of harm's way. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, I, I digress. But anyway, um, so you you got the uh, you got the agent to take this the standalone, and they and she, and the agent said, of course, well, this is part of a series, right? Yeah. <laughs> And you so said- I wrote three books in that series, and they were all um, – I liked – actually, I liked that one, <clears throat> and the last one in that series is called The Hard Way. Okay. And that takes place in Las Vegas. Um, oh, right. And Helen's good friend uh, owns a casino, casino, and she helps him out. And I just – I like – well, if you've noticed in my books that the setting is very important to me. Mm-hmm. It's really important to me. Like in the Nick books, he goes all over the world, and I like to get all of that right. I've been to most of the places that I write about. Mm-hmm. And in um, Jude, you know, the Lower East Side, I don't live on the Lower East Side. I live on the Upper East Side. Okay. But, but I like that neighborhood, and I visit it, and I, you know, know what's there and what's going on there. So I, I feel like it really sets the stage for people to to become involved in the work, you know, it, yeah. it draws them in. It's that's my opinion of setting. I think it's just a very important as well as much impo- as important as the plot, maybe or the story or dialogue, but it's equally important. Have you ever read Lawrence Block? Oh yes. Oh, of course. And then you we know exactly that I'm making a reference to him while we're talking about New York as a setting. Right? right. Absolutely. Right. Definitely. And uh, the way you, you paint uh, the Lower East Side in Nick's world uh, is the way he writes, um, I think, uh, the Upper West uh, uh-huh. above, uh, between, 
upper, uh, not Midtown, but no, uh, up, up further, like by yeah. Lincoln, Lincoln yeah, Center, and exactly, Park, right? Yeah, yeah, and he, he paints that area like I could walk those streets and know I could make the turns and know what you know what's going to be on that corner. You know, it's a, and that's the way you write your Nick series. So that's you know, there, this is sort of digressing too. But there was a funny—it's not funny—but uh, an article in the Times today about how people who grow up in cities like New York City mm-hmm. get lost when they go other places because this is a grid. <laughs> we yes, have, we yeah. have east to west, north to south. Yeah, you know, the numbers run the a avenues, certain way. The avenues right, run a exactly. different way. Yeah, yeah. but um, but. And even out in the boroughs too. I mean, it's uh, yes. yeah. The boroughs are not you know, well, except for Staten Island. We don't count Staten Island. No, I don't count that. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I know, but that's yeah. It's just a different world to itself. But anyway, the other boroughs for sure, uh, for real. Yeah, and and but each borough has its own unique uh, identity. And uh, every author has an opportunity to explore that in their writing. Right. So definitely. Um, So after the the Laurel and Helen uh, series, you then moved into which one Um, first? Uh, Nick Donahue. Nick. Yeah. Okay. And um, but that was new for a new publisher, though, right? Uh. Yes. Okay. Yes. Hoop. I can't remember. Oh, I published that with um. Oh, Lois. Lois Edmonston. I can't remember the name of the company, That's but okay. she uh, she's not publishing anymore. Okay. I, I had asked her for advice, and she said, "Oh, I would like to publish it." So it was the novella first. Okay. And um, I just really enjoyed writing that character. He's sort of like my pseudo James Bond. You know, okay. he's, he's a little he's a little goofy, but he's really smart, and he he gets himself into little bit of difficult situations helping out his girlfriend Marina and <laughs> and his brother and it's just it's just fun. You're gonna revisit with a third or yes. kind of, oh good. I am, I am. but right. I've gotta finish the other the fourth book in my um ser- other series first. Murder on the Rocks. Yeah. With Jude. Well that makes sense. I understand. Yeah you have to uh you have to meet your commitments and honor them and you also if you're on a roll you want to do so, but it's nice that you have one in your brain percolating, so you're thinking about it. Yeah, right. I've been thinking about writing another Nick book for a while, but I have, I'm trying to decide where I want to set it. I'm either going to set it in Paris or in New York City. Um, so, well, Paris the visit the visit to Paris is part of your research, and that's tax deductible. Yes. <laughs> yes. So just just I just say that out loud. Right. Because, it could be in both places. I mean, yeah, that's the true. last book he came to New York too. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm a firm believer of visiting places for my research or if I've visited the place and knowing that it may be the, the, uh, it may, it may be a book. Mm-hmm. I, I maybe write down notes or I uh, take extra photographs or I take extra video or something. I don't, I don't say, Hey, here I am in Prague and I'm going to set my next whatever in Prague. And then I start, you know, going out and doing it. I just kind of go about my business. If I'm visiting, if I'm a tourist, I just do the touristy right. thing and just see what's going on. And But I, I don't waste the, you know, I don't, uh, how do I want to say it? I, I have always have it in the back of my mind at some point, someday, maybe that film uh, and some of my things that I've collected might be important for helping me with my research for a novel. So definitely. Like we went to Dubai, um, we went to Africa and we stopped in Dubai um, for a few days on the way back. And 
I set part of that second book, the Nick, second Nick book, out of time in Dubai. And um, it's a fascinating place. I was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to use it, but then it just made sense to me to use it and what I wanted to do with the book. And so it, it's really nice to be able to, to use what you learn when you're traveling, I think. If it Absolutely. Fits, you know. Uh, I know some, I, I know I've traveled to destinations for writing the book and that I have a to-do list and I have a very clean idea of what I want to do from A to B, A to B, A to Z. And uh, looking at the uh, GPS on my uh, rental car, you could almost see chapter by chapter <laughs> where I was going. Yeah, it just goes, well, I have to go here. I have to go here. I have to do this. I have to go here. I have to see this. I have to do there. And uh, you could almost follow it in my in my novels, but anyway. Uh, so let's let's talk about Murder on the Rock series, and let's talk about Jude a little bit. Let's let's dive into her okay. head and see what she's all about. Because you gave us, you told us a little bit about Nick, and you told us about Laurel and Helen. So yeah, tell us about Jude. Jude, you know, she owns the Corner Lounge. She's had some um, adversity in her life. Her family is all gone. So she's very attached to her um, landlord and her good friend, Thomas Sully Sullivan, and he looks out for her. And uh, now she has um, her boyfriend, Eric, who she keeps alienating in certain ways, and then they get back together. And um, she's very determined. I think she's a very strong character. She's really determined when she makes up her mind. Which is, um, in a sense, a problem as well, because she can't be deterred from doing what she decides to do. And, you know, in the, the third book, she's definitely wants to be rid of Art Bevins. So, um, <laughs> and she's a very loyal and good friend to her friends and her employees. And, and so it makes for a very interesting, full-bodied uh, uh, protagonist, excuse me. Uh, and then... But also, you you mentioned, uh, I think, on your uh, website that uh, the FBI isn't uh, so interested in helping her out, which is kind of uh, unique that you get a ho hum from the uh, from law enforcement when you're just dealing with a minor thing like a serial killer. Oh no, they are helping her. And the, oh, and okay. They are helping her. There's one agent who's who's really helping her. The uh, the sack of the New York office of the oh, okay. Uh, this that's quite. Elaine Garlinger is the character's name, and she's really been helping her. Of course, she'd like Jude to let her do the investigating and not keep sticking her nose in. But, um, <laughs> you know, she's not going to give up. So Okay. Well, I, I apologize if I, if I misread that. No, it's that. okay. Uh, and, uh, but it wouldn't hurt to go back to the website and see what, you know, it's, it says, because I, I just pulled that little fact tied out of my head saying, well, you know, that's interesting that she's not getting any love from the FBI. On a no, they killer, should, so. she, they show up a lot. Okay. And help her a lot. Okay. My mistake. So, uh, but this is a well-rounded character of uh, three books going on four. Um, when you wrote her first, uh, did you think that this was going to be a series? Um, I wasn't really sure. I, I hoped it might be. So uh, when I sent the book to the publisher, they wanted more. So, you know, it became a series. And um, I don't think I'll write another one right away. I'll write bo finish book four. Okay. I've taken her out of the Lower East Side for book four. She's on a cruise. Nice. 
um, where there's a lot of problems. <laughs> well, that that is kind of uh, <laughs> we see a little bit more of that in the news than we care to, I guess, these days. Right. But uh, a cruise off sounds awfully damn nice after two years of COVID. You know, it, if you're safe and you're able to go on a cruise, it just sounds like a fun thing to do well, in I, my I mind. Sh- I should say that these books are all before COVID. I, oh, did have, okay. I did have a choice at one point, um, maybe after the first book. Okay. And I decided I didn't want to write about COVID. It was like we were living it, you know, and yeah. I, that was enough. So I, they're all pre-2020. So Okay. Yeah. I, and my, my novels, uh, six in the Marsh O'Shea series, uh, there's only one mention to a uh, person dying from COVID. Uh-huh. And, and that's a person that was in prison. So when they died and when COVID occurred, you know, that was kind of not not spelled out, you know. Right. And uh, the Cozy series I'm writing now, no mention whatsoever of even, you know, what what decade we're in. So I'm I'm hoping that they, you know, are, are will be evergreen more so. But uh, uh, and my my editor chides me about not giving a day and a date. Because of a day and that date, you can look it up. You, you know what year it is. So I tend right. to just do the the first Monday of October, or, you know, the mid uh, Wednesday of December, you know, and I, I just that's how I keep chronology. So I don't use anything that would uh, tip off a year or presidential yeah. election or uh, World Series or anything like that. So uh, that's just me. I, I, I just kind of want to. Kind of not be in that world. Yeah, yeah. book two of my of mine starts on um, New Year's Eve of twenty eighteen. Okay, so it goes into twenty nineteen, and then book three is the spring, and now um, the the cruise book is a little later, like in the summer. Okay, so and then if I write a fifth book, I think I will put it. Later, now, you know, like 2022 or whenever, whenever the timing is right. I, I, I just don't feel comfortable writing about COVID. I know a lot of people have addressed it in their work, but Mm. I feel like, you know, we were seeing it every day in our lives. We still are. So, and um, I think people would like a respite from that. Thank you. Yes. And I think that's your feeling as well. Well, Yes. Yeah. There's, there's, they have enough of their own worries to worry about and also to be reminded of a a killer disease, uh, a a killer uh, flu, for lack of a better word. Right. Pandemic. Uh, So you've written essentially um, three uh, series, all sort of within the same genre or. Is Nick more more spy, more spy thriller? No, they're really not. I mean, even the Nick books are not really spy thrillers. They're suspense. They're mystery suspense. suspense. Okay. Um, yeah. I would maybe like to write a real spy novel, but okay. I have to think on that a little bit. You know, like when well, you made the James Bond's reference and you, you told well, me about Le Carre. As, as I'm writing um, Nick, I think you know he's. He's a very tall, good-looking, suave, you know, sophisticated in one way, and he's a little goofy in another way. Mm-hmm. But and he's a gambler; he's a professional gambler, right? So um, he behaves that way, and he he just in my head, he's a little bit like that. And of course, he's really not a detective. His his girlfriend Marina is the detective, <laughs> and he he believes that he's helping her. 
<laughs> and okay. he does help her. I mean, he figures out the real problem in in out of time. And how does that sit in terms on the spectrum of mystery and suspense with the other two? I think it's it's about this about the same. Well, it's a little more suspenseful. I'm going to say. Okay. A little more suspenseful. All right. And Jude is you know mystery suspense too. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think of my those books as cozies. In in my mind, I don't see them as cozies. Okay. But I guess, you know, the reader makes that judgment as they're reading. If they think it's a cozy or they think it's, um, you know, a suspense novel or thriller novel. None of these are real. Nick maybe tends a little towards thriller because the subject matter, um, it's a weapon of mass destruction that he thwarts at the end of the story. So. That could be a little thriller-ish, but it's it's really mostly suspense. Yeah, so I, I mean, you're telling me that it, you know that uh, Murder on the Rocks isn't necessarily hard-boiled or noir. No, and it's but it's a little bit more on the lighter side, uh, and maybe carries some of the uh, cozy tropes that uh, you would think. Yeah, I guess yeah. you know the um, amateur detective. Mm-hmm. The settings, you know, they're not high tech. Okay. I mean, I can understand why people think of them as cozy sometimes. I just don't. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, they get cozy with them, and that's the important thing. Yes, of course. <laughs> that, that's what you need to hear. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I clearly wrote um, my Marsha O'Shea series in the uh, police procedural world, uh, crime novel. Just, you know, a whodunit with a detective, mm-hmm. in this case, an FBI agent having to figure things out and get the bad guy in the end. Uh, whether the bad guy was known from the beginning or not, you know, that does, didn't really matter. It was the uh, wasn't known to the FBI agent. Um, and then my cozies, of course, follow the cozy tropes, but not so much the modern ones. More like I lean back to where you came from with Agatha Christie and uh, Dorothy Sayers and mm-hmm. Emily Wentworth, you know, the golden age of uh, mysteries. And that's where I tend to take my cozies. But do I have the cute dog? Yeah. Do I have, will I have a recipe for chocolate chip cookies in the back? Well, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, definitely, clearly I'm in uh, two different series in, in two different clearly marked uh, lanes of travel. And I try not to have either one overlap too much. But anyway, so in um, Bar None and Last Call, I did have recipes and drink recipes. Each book has a signature drink. So I think maybe you do have you you are leaning cozy then a little bit. I well, I wasn't. I didn't put them in in the third. Okay, (laughs) I just decided I didn't want any. I didn't want to have to write all those recipes because you know she owns a restaurant. Yeah, and the food is supposed to be wonderful. So I had to research and and. find really good recipes. My husband was in the restaurant business for a long time, which is really what gave me the idea to write these books. Oh God. This series. God love them. That's that's tough work. That's not easy stuff. Oh he's not he hasn't done it for a while. But yeah. You know, I used to go where he worked and I knew a lot of the people there. They're our friends still. Okay. And um I got to know how things work. So I use I use that. But um I don't mind writing uh, the drink recipes, but the food recipes get a little complicated. Yeah. I just thought, oh, you know, that you're right. That does make it sort of in the cozy vein, mm. having having that in there. So I'm, I stopped doing that. It wasn't a problem with uh, my publisher or my editor. So No, and I get it. I mean, uh, it's not gen- genre bending per se. You write what you want to write and you let the readers tell you what they think it is. 
And then, you know, you, 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 you told me some of your readers think that they fit into the cozy market. So those people that read cozies uh, that liked your books said, oh, well, this, this fits in what I, I like to read. So any ideas for another series percolating in your mind, you think? I know you're thinking of returning to one and maybe resurrecting another, but. Uh, I was thinking of um, a, um, I have actually have it started. I have a good amount of it done, but I'm going to rewrite it because I want to make sure it's not cozy. Okay. <laughs> I have another book. It might just be a standalone. It's about a woman who's a serial eavesdropper. That's unique. I lo- and uh, what she what she overhears. Okay. Right now, it's she's a little too a little too in the cozy vein. So I'm going when I when I get to it, I'm going to fix it up and, and that finish sounds, that one. That sounds like fun. We want to hear about it when you do. So uh, we did talk about you being a member of a couple different uh, groups. Can you talk about that, please, for me? Sure. I'm a member of Sisters in Crime, the New York chapter. Okay. Um, I was a vice president of the chapter for a while. Now I'm just, I step back and I'm just a member and we have really great programs and there's chapters all over the country. Yes. So if any of your listeners are interested, you don't have to be a writer. I mean, you don't have to be a published writer or uh, even a writer if you're just interested in mysteries and you can join. Um, I'm also a member of uh, Mystery Writers of America, mm-hmm. and I am a member of International Thriller Writers. And I, I, I take it you took some uh, satisfaction from having a leadership role with uh, Sisters in Crime. Yeah, it's great. We planned, you know, planned lots of good programs. I still, you know, we have a program every month. I did not know that. Yes, I mean, most of the chapters have a, a program every month. We've had. Um, I'm trying to think recently what we had. Oh, we had two police, a lawyer and a detective who actually uh, played transcripts of criminals and from Rikers, which was interesting. Um, some of the things I worked on, I got a forensic psychologist to come and speak. Um, I found a female detective who was actually working, you know, busy, and she came. We have all kinds of things. We have a, we have, you know, writing seminars and, and the national group is very good too. They have many, many, many programs. Mm. Something for uh, writers in our uh, genre to consider. Uh, right. Definitely. And it's not just women. Uh, I mean, I should say that right up front. It's sisters and misters, but it's called sisters in crime. Yeah. That's the original name of it. So. I thought you'd let me into your country club. We would. All right. <laughs> That's nice. So, um, I've uh, I know I've asked you a lot. Uh, and how did you find time for all your writing? How did you make time? I guess is the better word. Well, I was um, a f- working full time as a copywriter most recently. I haven't done that for four or five years now. Mm-hmm. And I would write, you know, at night or on the weekends, and um, just get it done. Make it now make that time I have for more it. Time, I find more reasons to procrastinate. Yeah. But, um, Isn't that funny? Yes, because you really would think you wouldn't, but. You know, I, I got more done when I was busy. Yeah. And, and that's what you're saying, yeah. too. You got more done when you were busy. Yeah. And then how things tend to fill up the time. I know that uh, uh, my career arc was so, so somewhat similar when I was uh, an active everyday investigator. I got my writing done on Wednesday nights and on Sundays. And I was religious about that. I made that time. Now, I had to give up football, which I loved, and baseball on Sundays in order to write. But 
something had to give, right? right? And uh, I got a lot done. And now that I, I'm not as active with the investigation work that I do, uh, then, uh, oh, I have an whole afternoon today. Oh, I have an whole afternoon tomorrow. Oh, and then suddenly, you know, the cat videos and TikTok, you know, where did my time go? <laughs> right. That's what happens, <laughs> so, really. It just um, well, I, it seems to yeah. disappear. Yeah, but I got to tell you, those those cat videos are like crack for me. I can't help it. I'm just, I'm only joking. Oh, really? I'm joking and I'm not because I, you know, I, I get into a TikTok and all of a sudden it's an hour later and these things are 15 seconds long. So you tell me, how did I just, just waste an hour? So anyhow, but I'm joking, but I'm not, you know, you're right that uh, the more time you have, the more you can waste, the less time you have, the more you have to treat it as a precious commodity and you have to, and you have to make time for your writing. That's for sure. For sure. So definitely. So um, I, I asked this of all my episode guests. Uh, is there anything that I failed to ask you that I should, that you thought that I was going to ask you as you were thinking about coming on the podcast? Was there something that you wanted to talk about? Particularly? No, I can't think of anything that we skipped over. Okay. Well, really. I, I just wanted to make sure that I covered everything and we did a nice job of it. Uh, we certainly did. I, I liked the fact that you told me who you read before and who you read now. Uh, you told me about each of your um, sets of characters and what made those protagonists tick. You told me how you you, you moved uh, through the uh, from your first uh, traditionally published book to, to your um, award-winning and uh, Derringer-nominated short stories. And then you told me about Nick and, uh, and Jude. So I, I feel like we had a good interview today. I just want to make I, sure that I it was too. comfortable with it. Yes. It's all right. It's very good. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show today, Kathy, and I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. Really, thank you for having me. I forgot to ask you, how can people get in touch with you? Well, they can find me on my website, uh, www.kathystoller.com, C-A-T-H-I-S-T-O-L-E-R. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Kathy Stoller Author. And I am on um, Twitter at Kathy Stoller and Instagram, Kathy Stoller Author. Nice. Uh, do you have any appearances coming up anytime soon? No, I haven't done any um, in-person appearances for a while. And uh, what about uh, anything uh, visu- uh, virtual that you're going to be part of? No, not not right now. The, the next thing that I'll be doing is I'll be going to Malice. I will be on a panel. And Malice, I'm sorry. Uh, Malice Domestic is a conference in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. Okay. Um, is that where the Agathas come out of? Yes, it's for the it's for the Agathas. Okay. Right? And I'm going to be on a panel with Walter Mosley, hmm? so I'm a little nervous about that. Ah, he puts his pants <laughs> on one leg at a time. <laughs> Yeah. But it should be fun. All right. So that's the first thing I'm doing. And then we'll see what happens over the summer. Okay. Well, I certainly appreciate you, you know, giving me that little extra bit of information today. I thank you so much. Oh, thank you, John. Have a great afternoon. I will. Thank you for listening. I hope I've earned your interest and your time. Our guest next week is Deborah Lucy 
She was born in Southsea and brought up in Portsmouth, the island city. Her novels are the first and second in a series involving Detective Inspector Temple. In her working life, Deb has been able to work alongside a number of senior investigating officers as they've investigated major crime, murder, missing persons, abduction, and kidnaps. She's been at the 7 a.m. starts and the 3 a.m. finishes, the golden hours, the highs, the lows, the breakthroughs, the arrests, the slog, and, of course, the politics. For three years, she has worked in the missing adults and children arena with police, government policy advisors, and charities. She's conducted know-your-customer inquiries for international blue-chip companies. She has a master's degree in historical research. This episode was brought to you by my own FBI agent, Marsha O'Shea, six-book series, and my upcoming Gwendolyn Strong Small Town Cozy Mystery Series. To learn more, go to www.johnhoda.com, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-D-A.com, and join my email list. Liberty City Nights, my Marsha O'Shea prequel novella, is available to my subscribers there for free. 